When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast 2017 Championship Week Edition. My name is Joey Weaver. I'm a Georgia Tech grad and a Louisville fan. He is Mike McDaniel. He is a Virginia Tech grad and a Notre Dame fan. Mike, first question, are you ready for this uh, playoff play-in game we got this weekend coming up in the ACC? I am. Uh, the real question now with Clemson being ranked number one, if they lose, Joey, if they lose and it's close, mm. do they fall out of the top four? That's the question. And it's a good question. Uh, we talked about that a little bit on Twitter today. So my thought on this is that I think you could maybe justify Clemson sneaking in as, a, as like a number four seed in the playoff with two losses if one of their wins is over playoff-bound Auburn. So that assumes that Auburn beats Georgia. You probably need a little bit of other external help. Um, there's going to be some weirdness surrounding Alabama, too. They don't play this weekend, but they're sitting at number five, just waiting on somebody to lose. Um, so there, I think there's a scenario, but I, I don't think it's likely. And if I'm a Clemson fan and my team's down 13 you know, in the fourth quarter, I don't have my hopes up for making the playoffs still. Yeah, definitely don't count on it if you're Clemson and you're losing the game. Even if you lose it close, I wouldn't count on it. Uh, yeah, a number of things have to happen. I think Auburn has to win to make that Clemson victory look better because mm-hmm. all of a sudden you beat a playoff team in week two, and that looks great. Um, I think TCU likely has to beat Oklahoma because I think two lost TCU, even with a Big 12 championship, they're no lock to get in. And then you have the whole conversation about the Big Ten championship game, which is the most likely thing to happen. Uh, you know, expect the unexpected in college football, Joey, but assuming Alabama, or sorry, assuming that Clemson wins the ACC championship and beats Miami, say Oklahoma were to beat TCU, the winner of the SEC championship, you know, gets gets in, obviously. And then you come down to one loss Alabama against a potential two lost Big Ten champion in Ohio State that's the real question and Mm -hmm. that's the one that you know everybody's been posing because I think that's the most likely of the scenarios assuming everybody else holds serve I think if you're Clemson and you're hoping to get in with an ACC championship game loss I think you're hoping that Oklahoma gets beat by TCU for sure and you're hoping that Auburn wins the SEC championship and that yep I don't. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a, a weird scenario. But yeah, because you're 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 basically banking on you know, no one lost team in the SEC championship winning. So Georgia loses, right? You're assuming they're out. Mm-hmm. Um, a team that you beat is in the playoff now in Auburn. You're assuming that uh, TCU with two losses beats Oklahoma, and can't jump up into the playoff. Right. And then I think after that, you're also hoping for two-loss Ohio State to beat Wisconsin. 
because in my mind, I think the only surefire way that the Big Ten is a lock to make the Final Four is if Wisconsin wins the Big Ten. I think anything else, you know, Ohio State wins, I don't think it's a lock anymore for the Big Ten. So, you know, if Clemson loses, you're hoping for chaos and upsets in the other three games, essentially, which, uh, you know, you might get one or two upsets. It's very unlikely that you get three. And that's what Clemson will be, you know, that's what Clemson will be facing. It'll be an uphill battle, especially if they lose the ACC championship game. We've talked about it all year, though, Mike. This is this is the weirdest year in the, the college football playoff era so far by far. Um, and not to mention that, a few, you know, more than a couple members of the playoff committee have turned over since last year. So Lord only knows what we're going to get out of this whole process. But uh, on Sunday, we should have a final answer. So. Uh, but first, got to get through the games on Saturday. So we're going to preview those here on this show. Before we do, there's a couple of kind of newsworthy items that we need to hit on. First of all, uh, the ACC on Monday announced the all-ACC teams. We did not talk about these on the recap because we had a whole lot of other content to get to. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to look at these, Mike, but uh, Lamar Jackson was named the offensive and overall player of the year in the conference for a second straight year. Uh, R.I.P. Eric Surprise. Um, he he has been again nothing short of phenomenal, and somebody else is going to get the Heisman this year. But I don't think they were any better than Lamar Jackson was. Um, he and A.J. Dillon, uh, the the D train, as it were, uh, led the conference in voting. Both had 171 votes. I'm guessing that's like unanimous first team. Um, other than that, I mean, a lot of big names on this first team All ACC team. With uh, one major exception, Mike, that being basically anybody that played for Miami, uh, somehow the uh, the ten and one, you know, threatening to make the playoff, coastal champions, top ten Miami team, had one player on the first team All ACC team, and it was their place kicker. Uh, can we like? Is there any way that we can possibly justify this like at all? Uh, not really. I mean, like, I'm I'm okay with it in the sense that you know if it makes Miami fans mad, like I'm here for it. But at the yeah. same time, like if you're sitting here trying to tell me that Shaq Quarterman wasn't as good as Joe Giles Harris at Duke, I think you're wrong. Yeah, no, I know, and I know that the linebacker position is stacked, but I mean Joe Giles Harris, I mean bless his heart, he had a good year, but <laughs> <laughs> Shaq, I mean, but Shaq Quarterman is just a better player. Um, had more of an impact for Miami. Uh, don't really understand the absence of Jaquan Johnson. You're trying to tell me that Jaquan Johnson is second-team defense and Mark Gilbert of Duke is first-team defense. Again, bless his heart, Mark Gilbert had a good year, but he's not Jaquan Johnson. Duke had to scramble at the end of the year to make a bowl game. They somehow had two of their members of their defense um, on, on the first team, yet you got Miami with Shaq Quarterman and Jaquan Johnson leading one of the ACC's top defenses, and they don't make the first team list. I was very surprised by that. Uh, rest of the list, I guess I'm okay with. A uh, little bit surprised Dorian O'Daniel uh, didn't make first team defense, but then I look at the list, Micah Kaiser and Tremaine Edmonds, hard to argue there. Again, linebackers stacked, uh, but yeah. Shaq Quarterman, pretty egregious, even more egregious. No Jaquan Johnson on this list uh, while they opted to go with Mark Gilbert and Greg Stroman instead. And, you know, I think Stroman's deserving. I think Gilbert's 
to a degree deserving, but Jaquan Johnson, I mean, it was a coming out party for him, so I'm very surprised he didn't make the first team for defense. Yeah, that I mean, that's just, again, I'm here for angry Miami fans, but ultimately this just, this smells like a giant troll job here, Mike. Like, this is like the media trying to rile up Miami fans almost. Um, other couple of uh, noteworthy items here. Uh, John Walford, second team All-ACC, as is uh, Greg Dortch, second team All-Purpose, uh, which basically tells you that he is uh, effectively Jalen Samuels Jr., and I think that's a fair assessment of Greg Dortch right now. Um, beyond that, you know, I don't know. There's just a, there was a couple of weird, you know, as good as Miami was and as number of number of playmakers that they had on both sides of the ball – that they were all relegated to second and third team in the ACC is is just kind of bizarre to me and some kind of weird voting that went on. But then again, I'm not sure that we're going to sit here and tell you that this is a conference that is uh, totally unbiased towards North Carolina-related schools. So, you know, things happen. Uh, yeah, hard to argue with that. But, <laughs> I mean, I think for the most part they got this right. Um the lack of Miami players, though, was one of the first things I looked at mm. and was I was surprised to a degree. But, you know, also, I can understand the media doing this. There are a lot of people who hate Miami out there, just plain and simple. Got to call it what it is. And I think you might have had a little bit of media bias creeping in here. <laughs> I think it's fair to leave it there. Uh, yeah, prob- probably best. <laughs> probably best. Uh, Mike, we got one more thing that we got to get to here before we get to these games. And I say games, and you'll see why here in just a second. Um, so I, I have a very important question for you, um, and bear with me here. Jimbo Fisher? Uh, yeah. Is that a good question? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what, you, what you doing, Jimbo? Hey, bud. What you doing? Um, so, Joey, I, uh, so, as you, yeah. you may know, as you may know, I am the co-editor of InsideTheACC.com. Mm-hmm. One, one, uh, more, one more time for the people in the back. InsideTheACC.com. I am hmm. the uh, co-editor of that site. Nice. And Yes. Thank you. Good site. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, Sunday evening into Monday, one of our staff writers, a Florida State graduate and resident expert of the Florida State Seminoles, Brittany Taylor Newman, sent me a text message and said, hey, got to talk to you. My response, of course, was, okay, spill the beans. And Brittany had spoken to members of that were close to the negotiations between Jimbo Fisher and Florida State. So, Joey, as you know, as soon as Texas A&M decided they were going to relieve uh, Kevin Sumlin of his duties, and even beforehand, there were already reports coming out that Jimbo Fisher of Florida State was going to be at the top of Texas A&M's list. So, so he's he's let go over the weekend, and now all of a sudden Texas A&M someone is someone is, and all of a sudden Texas A&M is looking for a new head coach. So Brittany, you know, knows people close to negotiations, and she's crafting her story, and the story's up at InsideTheACC.com. So shameless plug there. 
Uh, long story short, Joey, after we recorded on Monday night, things went a little haywire in Tallahassee. Um, so essentially, Jimbo Fisher was negotiating a new deal, and a lot of people are thinking, oh, a contract. No, a new deal to stay at Florida State. Now, Joey, you'll remember that he was pursued by LSU the last couple of years uh, when, A, they were considering firing Les Miles two years ago, and then when they finally did it last year. Jimbo Fisher instead re-upped with uh, Florida State, new contract, more money. Uh, it included a $40 million buyout if he was ever fired without cause from the school. So, pretty insane. Almost essentially making him a Seminole for life. And am I remembering this correct? This is this wasn't just last year. I believe this happened two years ago as well with Jimbo. Or I might be remembering right. that wrong. Right, no. So two years ago when you know they ended up retaining Les Miles at LSU, and then again last year once they finally let Les Miles go and they were trying to decide between Ed Orgeron as the interim, making him you know, the permanent head coach, and a host of others that included Jimbo Fisher. Yep. And Tom Herman. Yeah, that's and right. Tom okay, Herman. yeah. Yep. So Jimbo re-ups for more money then. And he's got a new negotiated contract. He's making plenty of money at Florida State. So now Texas A&M is coming after him hard, right? They're chasing after Jimbo Fisher, wanting him to become the next head football coach at Texas A&M. So there was an ultimatum on Monday night between Fisher and <laughs> between Fisher and the Florida State Athletic Department, Fisher comes out and basically says, hey, I want this new football-only facility. I want it to be a $60 million facility. I want it as soon as possible, right? Originally, Florida State was planning on having this take place and break, you know, break ground and have this built by the 2019-2020 season. But instead, Jimbo Fisher said, no, I want it as soon as possible or I'm going to start negotiating with Texas A&M. Florida State... I, and by the way, I, I understand where Jimbo's coming from there because he really has had a lot of problems recruiting lately, and he, he needs some sort of edge to, to help him out, right? Yeah, I mean, he falls from, like, number one in the recruiting rankings to number two because he doesn't have an upgraded football-only facility. It's one of those things, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, basically what Florida State had done is they had basically what I like to call trim the hedges. I mean, they had you know, upgraded the scoreboard, they had renovated the locker rooms, they did all these things to improve the athletic facilities, except for build that football-only facility that Jimbo Fisher has been requesting, quite frankly, for a while, I mean, quite some time. And he comes to the ultimatum saying, look, I need this to continue to compete against Clemson and Florida within our state, and, you know, I want to compete and grab guys that Alabama's trying to get. I mean, that's been Jimbo's MO from a recruiting standpoint since he's been there. Florida State and their officials, per sources, right, say, nope, sorry, we can't do that right now. That's a lot to ask. And Jimbo says, you know what, okay, well, I'm going to start negotiating with Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher, to our understanding, to our knowledge, has a verbal agreement in place with the Texas A&M Aggies. And we reported that on the site last night, last night being Tuesday night as we record here on Wednesday. He has a, a verbal agreement in place with Texas A&M to become their next head coach because negotiations completely stalled with Florida State. So barring something unforeseen happening, Jimbo's bolting. Most and that, so as you said, that is the case, as we understand it, here at 10.30 Eastern on Wednesday evening. Thousand percent. Wrote it in the article as such saying, negotiations have come to a standstill, come to a halt. They've broken away. 
you know, Jimbo is working in the background with Texas A&M. All signs are pointing him, are pointing to him becoming the next head coach of the Aggies. We reported on that. We wrote up the story. Go check it out. It'll give you all the details on InsideTheACC.com. Brittany did an awesome job with that. So, potential replacements for, uh, I guess before I get to that real quick, Joey. Originally, they were thinking that this move, if Jimbo was going to take the Texas A&M job, would take place after their season finale against Louisiana Monroe this Saturday. LOL. Now, not so sure that's going to happen. I mean, it's Tuesday night, and we're reporting that, hey, it's done. He's gone. Um, Obviously, that hasn't been the case yet. It's still kind of a fluid situation. Most are anticipating that this will come to a head by Thursday, maybe Friday at the latest, but as it stands right now on Wednesday night, the latest that we've heard, it's not expected that he'll be coaching the team on Saturday. It would be a surprise if he did, in fact. So looking more and more likely that he's going to be the next head coach of Texas A&M, which brings me to my next question for you, Joey. Who are the replacements, right? So Yeah. So and I'll, I'll add in here that what you're, you know, what you're saying about this thing kind of coming to a head here in the next 48 hours or so from this time of recording I mean, I'm kind of hearing similar things from other angles, different sources, um, nothing confidential, but, you know, different sites and such. The the overarching uh, attitude here seems to be that this thing is turning into more and more of a tire fire as things go, you know, with Florida State. And, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And where there's smoke and the smell of burning rubber, there's probably a tire fire. And I think that's what we're getting here to some degree. Yeah, bridges have um, been burned for sure. I mean, he's yeah. burned he's burned bridges with important people within Florida State's athletic department as it stands right now. You know, people that are responsible for paying his contract. Uh, he's burning bridges with those types of people. So it's a mess there internally. Uh, it's really going to be really interesting to see how it all pans out. I mean, it's looking like he's going to leave. It's a matter of when, not if, at this point, and all signs are pointing that direction unless something crazy happens at the 11th hour. But as of Wednesday, I mean, we're 24 hours after we recorded this now, or after we reported it on the site now, and it's still the same. Uh, looking like he's going to take the job, near certainty at this point. It's just a matter of when the announcement's going to come down. Other thing I'll bring up is that we, we've talked about this a little bit off air, but me being in Houston, which is more or less a very large Texas A&M alumni club of a town, um, I, you know, I think everybody's in agreement, and that's near and far, that Florida State is an objectively better job than Texas A&M. Um, and, there, and there are six different ways that you can slice it up. And in just about every way, Florida state is a better job. And therefore it, it kind of is almost maybe call it suspicious or, you know, unusual, or I don't know what it is, but it's, it's just an odd situation. And it leads you to believe that Jimbo is doing this for non football reasons, which would be very much in line with what we've heard about him in recent years as he's gone through this before, right? That there's some sort of personal situation. His son's got a medical condition. He went through a divorce. There was a potential affair that was involved in that divorce. Like, I've heard several different rumors about Jimbo Fisher wanting to leave Tallahassee and not as much of it having really much of anything to do with 
the football program or the boosters or the facilities or anything like that, but more him just wanting out of Tallahassee for his own reasons. And maybe he sees this as his ticket to do so and make it, maybe he thinks that he can make Florida state look like they're just not giving him support. And that's his ticket to ride, you know, kind of thing. But, um, I don't know. Just an odd situation, Mike. Very, very unusual. Yeah, I mean, bottom line, objectively speaking, Texas A&M is not a better job than Florida State. But at this point, for whatever reason, it might be a better job for Jimbo Fisher. Sure. You know, and and to your point, I mean, nobody really knows what Jimbo Fisher's motivation is with this. Uh, You know, it could be the facilities. Most people around the program, at least to this point, they think he's using that a bit as an excuse for maybe trying to get out of there. Of course, the personal issues have been documented. There have been plenty of rumors about that. Would not be surprised if that's the actual reason. I mean, the bottom line is, and Brittany said it best, I mean, Brittany tweeted this out from her personal account, nobody can get in Jimbo's head, and that's the sense uh, around the program right now. Nobody can get in Jimbo's head and knows what his internal motivations are, but he wants to make this move, and that's what the program, you know, people around the program that's the feeling that they're getting at least through Wednesday night and we'll see if anything changes and they can maybe convince him to stay but as of right now it looks like he's going to be heading to College Station to coach Texas A&M and replacements for him I mean Willie Taggart we've heard that name it's been all over the place in national media today uh, he had a new renegotiated contract put forth on the table today from the athletic department upwards of $20 million total added to the contract over the life of the contract at Oregon. Is that enough to have him stay with the Ducks for instead of going to Florida State when that job opens up? Probably not. Uh, but he's on the table. J- Justin Fuente from Virginia Tech, his name's on the list. Um, I've heard from stuff I've read, Gary Patterson might be on the list from TCU. That would be an interesting hire. I think that would be a really good fit, actually. Uh, but he might be a little bit further down the list. And then Mike Norvell from Memphis is another name that's been thrown out there. I'm not sure Florida State would go that route, Joey. Uh, That would be the first major job that Mike Norvell has had. Obviously, he's a head coach right now at Memphis. Uh, You know, basically cut from the Justin Fuente cloth, you know, going to Memphis, making a name for yourself, having a really good competitive, fun offense, a good recruiter. He checks all the boxes there, but this is kind of, going to be a culture shock I feel like for Mike Norvell I think there are other spots that might be a better fit for him then one other name Joey just because you know his name's been thrown out there so often with so many coaching jobs here lately is Scott Frost from UCF but Mm -hmm. he's from Nebraska I mean I think his eyes are on that program I mean he's from there he would love to get home I think it would make sense for him to be heading to Nebraska But here's the thing, Joey, and a lot of Hokies fans have been talking about this today with me on social media. It's like, how could Justin Fuente leave? It's it's only his second year with the program. Like, how could he leave so quickly? When Florida State calls, Joey, you at least pick up. Mm -hmm. It's one of the few jobs in America where if they call, you at least have to entertain it, play the game for a little while. Uh, Not sure if he's received any calls on that yet, but I think he's definitely on the list of, you know, somebody that Florida State would want. So it'll be really interesting to see how it all pans out. Yeah, so, so, some sort of a uh, a bit of a related situation to a certain degree down here. There was a brewery in Houston that sold out to Anheuser-Busch, and a lot of people around here were in revolt and couldn't believe that this you know local brewery had 
sold out to the man and the whole thing. And the point that I heard that I thought was a great point is everybody's noble and loyal and, and you know, has a, a purpose that they believe in that they say that they would do something, but you never really know what you're going to do until somebody flashes, you know, several times what you're making now in front of you, right? Like if, if Justin Fuente is flashed with three times what he's making right now at Virginia tech. Yeah. That's kind of hard to ignore. Um, I, I'm sitting here like really racking my brain trying to think of what makes sense for Florida State because kind of what you're referencing, there's there's maybe about 10 coaches in the country right now that are in a spot where if if Florida State called them, they would just not even entertain the thought really at all. Um, and you're talking about Saban, Urban Meyer, Maybe Jim Harbaugh, like a couple of these guys, like a Mike Gundy, maybe at, a, at a, his alma mater. Might not even be 10. And shoot, Mike Gundy almost went to Tennessee. They were deep in talks, mm. apparently, right? I mean, mm. yeah. I don't know how, how deep they were in those talks, but yeah. maybe. But like, but I'm sitting here thinking, you're Florida State, so you're a, a pretty clearly top 10 job in the country, borderline maybe top five. You don't need to be going for an up-and-comer. And I hear names like you know, Willie Taggart and Justin Fuente, and those guys have a combined three years of experience at the power five level. I hear a name like Mike Norvell, who's never had a major job before. Like if you're Florida state, you can go pluck someone from, and I'm just going to throw around an example here. Mark Richt at Miami, who is an offensive coordinator there, you know, once upon a time, like you, you can go poach guys from well-established FBS programs. You mentioned Gary Patterson. Like we never think that he's going to leave TCU, but if, if this is his one chance maybe to get over the top at a program like Florida State that offers a little more than TCU does, like, that's an option. Where I'm struggling is I'm sitting here trying to think of, like, programs that have been successful for literally, like, any stretch of time, you know, five, six years in a row at the Power Five level that are not, like, Saban, Urban Meyer, and... That might be where it stops. Like Debo winning, right? Like that that might be about where it stops of, yeah. of five to six years of yeah. success in the Power Five. So it, it honestly might not even be 10 guys. I mean, you mentioned, you know, 10 guys in the country. I mean, you think about mm-hmm. it long and hard. I mean, it might not even be 10 guys. Yeah. You know, thinking about some of these jobs, like who would be a better job than Florida State? Well, okay, Texas. Well, Texas just hired Tom Herman. USC. USC's in like year two of Clay Helton. Like – there's not a whole lot of like real establishment names that might be lured here. So maybe it is that they need to go to something a little more. And again, this is all hypothetical, assuming that Jimbo does leave and go to A&M. Maybe they do need to get something a little more, uh, you know, younger guy, kind of up and comer type. Um, but I just, I have to think that Florida state is capable of a little, a little more than that. Like they can pull most of anybody that they want. Um, Brian so, Kelly at Notre Dame. I mean, if that's if that's I the mean, model you want to follow, they sure could. Like, if I'm Brian Kelly, I'm tempted to leave Notre Dame and go to Florida State on some level. Um, I mean, both those teams have played in a national title game in this decade at the very least. Um, so, I don't know. Something to think about. Maybe a Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State, something like that. Ooh, wow, that's a nice name. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's been up. He's been up in Michigan for so long, though. You, you question he what he would do in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He has. It's a different recruiting environment down there. Or, or Mike, and hear me out here. 
Ted Roof. There's, there's another guy in the state of Florida that is uh, trying to get a Power 5 job here. Choo-choo. Lane train. Is that the, uh, lane is that train? the Kiffin train? Yeah, that is indeed the Lane train, baby. The Lane train. <laughs> Lane Lane Kiffin's looking for a job. I don't know Florida State. That was uh it, it damn near worked out for Tennessee uh, until he left for USC, and then the whole thing kind of went to hell pretty quickly. But anyways, I hope that sounded like a train. That sound like a train. Hope so. No, yeah, you got it. I All think right, you cool. nailed it. Good enough. Nailed it, as you say. Um, worth noting too, also that as we record here again on Wednesday night, uh, Jimbo Fisher still had his regularly scheduled Florida State, you know, football radio show, and uh, he made it almost all the way to the end, uh, and and didn't get any questions. Everyone was playing it cool, not pressuring him at all, just asking him about Louisiana Monroe and uh, other things, Mike. And, and and unfortunately, that it did not end up being all that he was asked about. Where's the loyalty to the It's here tonight on Wednesday, Michael. Well, that could have nice. gone better. So that fan was kicked out of the uh, weekly phone-in show. Uh, so they got, how they do this is they have fans call in, right, because it's on a local radio station, and then they have fans in the room. Uh, that fan asked about the loyalty, obviously, to Florida State, which, you know, to be fair, I mean, I, I think it is a good question. Uh, I understand why they kicked him out. But I think it's a fair question, one that he obviously didn't answer, and he's been trying to escape these questions all week. Like, are you going to Texas A&M? No comment. Well, no comment in this game means that there is something to comment on. I mean, you didn't shoot it down. You're at least considering it. Uh, You know, from what we've learned and from what everybody else is reporting, he's more than considering it. So, I don't know. Time and place, I guess. Mike, I'm just over here kicking myself because I'm just realizing that what a huge, huge oppor- missed opportunity it was that I could have opened with Mike. First question: Where's the loyalty? That would have been a great first question. Where the hood at? You know? Where? Yeah, where are them boys? Um, where's the love? Uh, yeah, I remember that Black Eyed Peas song. There that was, it is. That was a time. Yeah, it was. Um, Mike. All right. So all this Jimbo Fisher talk, we should probably bring up the fact, and we have discussed this very limitedly. Uh, Florida State has a game this week. And not yeah. the ACC championship, as it would turn out. Yeah, so they're playing Louisiana Monroe, Joey. and Also, course, for what it's worth, before the season, you and I did predict that Florida State was going to be playing this weekend, so we weren't entirely we, <laughs> wrong. We did. Uh, little did we know it would be a makeup game from a hurricane against Louisiana Monroe that would determine Florida State's bowl fate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Florida State enters play needing the win. At noon on Saturday on the ACC Network, 27-point favorites. Over-under set at 64.5 against the Louisiana Monroe, whatever the hell they're called. Uh, Warhawks? Warhawks? I, I want to say. Let's look that up. Okay. Keep going. I think Louisiana Lafayette's the Raging Cajuns, so as long as I didn't mm-hmm. say that. Um, Joey, don't know much about this game, but what I can promise you is that Louisiana Monroe will keep this thing within four touchdowns. I can promise you that. This has been a massive Massive distraction for Florida State this week. This being mm-hmm. the Jimbo Fisher stuff, obviously. Um, all the players have been asked about it. They've been saying, oh, yeah, no, he's our coach. But, but really, in the background, they're like, oh, yeah, I think he's leaving. Uh, yeah. Big distraction. No way they cover four touchdowns. Hard to pick him to cover four touchdowns anyway, given the fact that they've struggled all year. 
Louisiana Monroe, not the worst team in the world to play. I mean, they're not great, but we've seen worse. Right, Wofford? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so f- first off, confirmed, it is the Warhawks. Second off, you are correct. Uh, so, the, knowing just the talent discrepancy that will be on the field, like there is every chance that Florida State wins this game like 56-10. to 10. But when you sit yep. here and give me 27 points with Louisiana Monroe, um, I'm, I'm going to take that. I'm, I'm good with that. We call that value in betting circles, Joey. We call it value. Yes. Um, this whole thing all week has been a just a complete and total circus around Florida State. Um, Jimbo potentially leaving, some assistants potentially getting fired. Uh, they're playing a game. They just beat Florida, so there's a potential letdown against a team that they are so sure that they can just roll their helmets out there and beat. Um all this stuff, like there is, there is just all sorts of reason to think that Florida State is not going to be on top of their game this week. Um, you mentioned too, there's some chance that Jimbo is not even on the sidelines for this game. He might have already flew in the coop and gone to College Station. Like, look, Florida State by all means should win this game, and in most scenarios should you know beat the crap out of Louisiana Monroe here, like top to bottom. This is this should not be close. And yet, there are all these factors at play that tell me that Florida State is, is going to win this game by a much closer margin than they really should. Um, so, 27 is way too many. Give me the Warhawks to cover here. Um, Florida State still wins, I guess. Um, we'll go uh, like 38-28, something like that. Um, Ooh. Ooh, a little close. Yeah, Louisiana Monroe. So Louisiana Monroe is is inside the top hundred in S and P plus. Florida State is ranked sixty fourth. Um, even on the road, Louisiana Monroe is a has is given thirty one percent chance to win, and is projected to lose by less than nine points by S and P plus. So, give me that twenty seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Louisiana Monroe not garbage on offense by any stretch of the imagination. Definitely, like, definitely not. Definitely not. They can score. Um, they, they are 15th in S&P Plus on offense, uh, 22nd in the country in points per game. Now, defense, different discussion. Louisiana Monroe cannot stop a nosebleed, much less, you know, Cam Akers or whoever else, you know. So maybe I should be projecting this to be a bit of a higher scoring kind of affair. Um, but Florida State, probably going to be a little bit sleepwalky. Louisiana Monroe probably going to be playing with nothing to lose like their hair's on fire so sure uh let's go Louisiana Monroe to cover but Florida State to win I think it's like a 10 point game all right I don't do score predictions but I'm gonna do one Florida <laughs> State 45 Louisiana Monroe 27 they keep it still within a cover four, still a cover kept it within four <laughs> touchdowns fair moving on there's another game Oh, yeah, there is. Yeah. 8 o'clock on ABC, uh, arguably the game of the week in, in college football. Don't let stupid SEC fans tell you otherwise. Uh, the Miami Hurricanes, the Coastal Champions, taking on the Atlantic champion Clemson Tigers. 
For the ACC championship game from Charlotte, North Carolina, again, 8 o'clock on ABC, Clemson is a a 9.5-point favorite here, Mike. And, whoo, that is a lot for what I was expecting in this game. I looked up this line here right before we came on the air, and I I was almost taken aback at what I saw. I was not not expecting outside of a touchdown. I, I expected Clemson to be a slight favorite, but that's a lot to me. So Clemson was about an eight-point favorite, and then Ahmad Richards tore his meniscus in practice today, and now it's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. So and that's the part that I missed. <laughs> that still um, is Ahmad Richards really okay? Ahmad Richards is great, right? Great receiver, one of the top young players in the country, not just the ACC. Very, very good player. He, it's a loss not having him out there on the field. Does it really make the difference between Miami winning and losing the football game? In my opinion, it doesn't. They have plenty of receivers that have the ability to get open. The bigger question for me is whether or not Malik Rozier can deliver them the football on a more consistent basis. He's been up and down all year in that department. He didn't make the throws they needed to make on Friday, last Friday against Pittsburgh. You connect on a few more of those throws downfield, you win the game by a couple touchdowns, plain and simple. Clemson's defense is the best defense that uh, Miami has faced all year. Florida State has a good defense, not nearly as good as it was supposed to be, mostly because of the offense. You know, the offensive struggles, defense is on the field a ton, a lot of injuries, that sort of thing. Virginia Tech, good defense, doesn't touch Clemson's defense. Notre Dame, good defense, doesn't touch Clemson's defense. This is the best defense they've played, Joey. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure it's all that close. And maybe that's a hot take, maybe not. I don't know. This is a great defense they're playing. Uh, and the one thing we don't know about Miami is whether or not they can take the show on the road. Uh, this is what appears to be a neutral site game is actually going to be a road game. I have been to ACC championship games in Charlotte when I was a student at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech played Clemson. It was a 2011 ACC championship game. Blacksburg is only about two and a half hours from Charlotte. It's about two and a half hours from Clemson as well, so it's about the halfway point, and Clemson filled up 75% of that stadium. And I can tell you something, Joey, as an alum of Virginia Tech, we travel well, and we were completely overwhelmed by the amount of Clemson Tigers fans that fought to take a staff football game. This is going to be a road game for Miami and Charlotte for the ACC championship, so be aware of that. Uh, Not a neutral site. It's going to be a road game. Can Miami take the show on the road against a good team? We've seen them do it at home twice. They blow out Notre Dame. They blow out Virginia Tech. Can they do it against a Clemson team? They're not going to blow them out. Are they going to come out to play more inspired football coming off of a loss? Yes, I think they will. Um, I think Miami is going to play well in the football game. I do. Um, You know, they get up for big games. They've done it at home. Can they do it for four quarters against Clemson? That I'm not so sure about. I think there's a little bit of a talent gap specifically with Miami's offense against Clemson's defense. Miami has been inconsistent both throwing and running the football. In most games this year, they've done one well and not the other. There have been very few games where they've put it all together. If they don't put it all together against Clemson, they're going to have a really hard time beating the Tigers. I think Clemson shuts down at least the running game. If they shut down the running game, it's going to be very hard for Malik Rozier to throw on this Clemson defense. I have the Tigers winning this game by 10 to 14 points in Charlotte, and that seems like a lot, but, uh, you know, seeing the team I watched last Friday and seeing how Miami struggled throwing the football makes me really nervous seeing them go up against a Clemson defense is seemingly clicking on all cylinders right now. On October 7th, Miami went on the road to Tallahassee 
and damn near lost and barely beat Florida State 24 to 20 on a last second touchdown throw from um, Leek Rozier to uh, Daryl Langham. Daryl Langham, it was. Big throw. In the time since, Mike, uh, Miami has gone on the road twice. They damn near lost to North Carolina. They damn near lost to Pittsburgh, and then they actually did lose to Pittsburgh. That was uh, poor phrasing. Um, Miami, so we'll go back to what we said after the Notre Dame game. Um, Miami, if their entire schedule, they've played 11 games so far, if they were given a, a report card in the, you know, in the form of that schedule, it is still fair to say that they would get a whole bunch of C's and D's, two A pluses, and probably one F against Pittsburgh. Um, even the Virginia game the week before Pittsburgh, S&P Plus said that they had a 38% chance of winning the game. And that's Miami, by the way, at home. Trailing by two touchdowns, middle of the third quarter in that one. Says that, yes, the, the statistics in that game would tell you that Virginia probably should have won that game more often than they lost it. Um, so Miami, again, has gotten lucky in a couple situations here. Now comes off a bad loss to Pittsburgh. Um I struggle with this game, though, Mike, against Clemson because I think that Miami's defense, if they are hyped up to play under the lights on ABC, national television, 8 o'clock, the whole thing, get some fans there. It's been, you know, Miami's never gone to the ACC championship, so I figure there's going to be plenty of Canes fans there. The defense might be hyped up, and if that's the case, I'm not really that confident in Clemson scoring, you know, 24, 30 points on them. Um, and that's where I think that Miami could hit on a big play here, a big play there, and next thing you know, they've won the game outright. Um, I think that's very much within the realm of possibility. Here's the other thing is that Miami's offense, I don't know what they're going to do against Clemson's defense, which has been absolutely stifling. Um, I, I think you might be selling them a bit short to say that uh, Virginia Tech is not anywhere near in the neighborhood of Clemson's defense. Virginia Tech's been really good. Now, in that particular game – uh, they they did not they did not show up they did not play a very good game there against against Miami in Miami under the lights the whole thing but neutral site you know Clemson maybe playing in front of a, a home leaning crowd and and such um, I you know I, I think their defense is going to be pretty stifling again I don't expect Miami to have much of any luck running the ball if they are going to beat Clemson it is going to be because they score some big plays on offense so again hitting Daryl Langham hitting Braxton Berrios. You know, get Travis Homer on a screen pass that then goes for 40 yards. You know, those are the kinds of things that you're going to have to do because they're not they're not that efficient of an offense, and certainly against a, a defense that is as stout as Clemson's is that is good as good up front and tackles as well in the secondary as the Tigers. I don't see Miami having much of an easy time whatsoever moving the ball here. Um, I think I'm with you. I'm going to pick Clemson to win. Nine and a half does seem like a lot in what I think is going to be a pretty low-scoring game. I think that Miami is going to is going to give Clemson problems moving the ball, but I think Clemson's going to give Miami more problems moving the ball. Give me a low-scoring win here for Clemson. Let's go uh, like twenty-one thirteen. Uh, I'm going to take the points with Miami here, but I do think that Clemson does win this game outright, uh, with the caveat that. Miami does have the big play ability uh, and the defensive ability, especially if, if Clemson turns the ball over a couple times and we see the damn turnover chain, uh, you know, that could also swing this game. So th- there's, there are certainly paths to victory here for Miami. 
I just I I don't know that they're going to end up realizing those, uh, given what we've seen from them the last few weeks and um, and and what we've gotten used to from them this year. So I, I think Clemson is kicking it into gear. I think their defense gets it done. And uh, yeah, Clemson twenty one thirteen, pretty low scoring. Nice. You think it's close? Hopefully it is. I mean, I'd rather it be a close game than what I said. Hopefully I think it will be. I, there's also this possibility that Miami totally unravels and Clemson wins this game like 31-7. to seven. Like, Yeah. I mean, I think Miami will play. I do think Miami will play well. I just I don't see the path to victory. Like, I just think there's there are clearly things that Miami does not excel in on offense, namely being consistent. And there are things that Clemson does well. It's rush the quarterback and stop the run. And both of those elements going up against – a iffy Miami offense right now. It just Miami better have the turnover chain out if they want to stay in the game at that point, in my opinion. So that's where I'm at with it. I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm very curious to see how this turns out. Um, Miami for a lot of this year, and I referenced this, I think in the uh, Week 12 preview was that, or the uh, maybe the Week 13 preview is that I feel like in a lot of cases Miami is just the team of destiny this year. I mean they're. 2013 Auburn that is finding these miraculous ways to win games that they shouldn't. And next thing you know, they're in like the national title game because it just doesn't ever stop. And so, you know, if they, if they have the ball, they're down four with a minute and 30 to go. If they hit on a couple of big plays and won the game would I mean, would that shock you at this point with what you've seen from Miami this year? Uh, no, I mean, nothing would shock me, but I genuinely think that if they beat Clemson and, See, the, the difference between Notre Dame and Virginia Tech and Clemson is, like, I don't think Clemson has the capability to just completely unravel. And maybe I'm wrong, but, like, when's the last time we've seen that? I mean, Notre Dame rolled over. Virginia Tech rolled over. Like, mm-hmm. when's the last time Clemson's rolled over? I mean, there have been there have been times where the game hasn't gone Clemson's way, and they've lost. I mean, they lost to Pitt last year in an upset, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they lost this year to Syracuse. They, you know, they had, you know, Kelly Bryant was hurt in that game. They didn't have their starting kicker, which is completely overlooked. I mean, they were on a short week trying to break in a, a walk-on kicker. I mean, that makes a difference in a low-scoring game on the road. Like, there have been times where they've lost games close, but, like, they haven't unraveled in a really long time. It would be a surprise to see Miami just absolutely blitz them to the point where Clemson's getting blown out of the stadium in Charlotte. I mean, we haven't seen Clemson get blown out in a really, really long time. That would be a very surprising result to me. But it would not yeah. be surprising at all to see Miami win the game, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, I'm starting to go back on my, my pick here. Because I, I – knowing that now that Amon Richards not playing in this game with a torn meniscus, knowing that Christopher Herndon is also not playing in this game with a season-ending injury, Malik Rozier having such problems throwing the deep ball last week – I mean, we, we, I'm going to look up the weather here for Charlotte, you know, on, on Saturday night. I'm guessing it's not really a whole lot warmer than it was lunchtime in Pittsburgh last weekend. Um, I mean, what reason do I have to think that he's going to be any better throwing the deep ball that is going to have to be what they do to beat uh, Clemson here? I, not a lot going Miami's way, but they thrive yeah. in that environment too. Like, they thrive when everybody's against them. I yeah, mean, they, they play that card, and it's been to their benefit multiple times, not only this year, but in years past. 
Saturday is a high of 55 in, in Charlotte with a, uh, I'm guessing game time. We're talking about in the forties, um, man, I'm, I'm flipping here, Mike. I, I think I might go Clemson to cover here. I, I think that they will perform a lot better in the cold. Um, I, I think that Malik Rozier, I, I just don't know that he's got the weapons on the outside at this point, nor do I think that he's necessarily shown the, uh, the real just undying ability to hit those weapons when they're open. I'm flipping it. I'm, I'm doing it live on the podcast, Mike. I'm going Clemson to cover. I'm with you. I, I just don't think I, – I think that Miami might be starting to lose the battle of attrition here with losing some of their receivers. They've lost Mark Walton for the year. Um, I don't know if the guys on defense are going to be able to do it enough. It, it It's going to come down to does Clemson turn the ball over excessively? If they do, I think Miami gives themselves a chance to win, especially if they can get a defensive score. But ultimately, I, I just don't think Clemson's going to play a game that's going to open them up to a whole bunch of that. So We need a score, Joey. We need a score. Um, sticking with Clemson, um, let's go – Still fairly low scoring. I'm going to go like 27 to 10. You, um, not all that high you, scoring. You bastard. Uh, I was going with 28 to 10. So, mm. Well, I trust the Clemson field goal kicker a little more. How about okay. that? All right, that's um, fair. That's fair. <laughs> but for what it's worth, and I think the thing that we're really in agreement on, total here is 46 and a half, probably leaning under that. Yeah, it would be exciting if it went over. But I'm taking the under. Life's too short to bet the over. I just flip it, flip it to whatever works for me. Yeah, absolutely. As all good betters do. Average betters. Mike. <laughs> yes. Um, Mike, what else? What did we miss? Not a whole lot. I don't think. Yeah. So I think we, we cover this game pretty pretty thoroughly. Jimbo's going to Texas A and M. You're going to be the next head coach of Florida State, and mm-hmm. I will be coming to watch you coach the Seminoles in the first game next year in Tallahassee when the Hokies play. That's what we covered. Well, right? if if my ongoing NCAA fourteen dynasty is any indication, <laughs> yeah, buddy. Florida State fans are lucky to have me. Yes, um, yes. I look forward to winning my twelfth straight national title there. So, <laughs> yes. In fair, now, all right. Totally off-topic question. Since I brought up NCAA fourteen, Mike, I'm guessing you had a dynasty that you just dominated in. Yes. What was what was your offense that you ran in NCAA fourteen? Oh, dude, spread. Guy run the spread specifically there was like 30 different variations of the spread uh, in that game yeah so well okay well i say the spread but i also ran um i ran the air raid a few times just like the standard so oh, you know how man. you go through there's like all the playbooks they have the playbooks for all the teams right and they get to the end and it's just like the five or six like stock playbooks it's like oh this is the triple option this is the spread spread run spread pass air raid mm-hmm. ran the standard air raid it was incredible I like it. Four virtual. Uh, I I specifically ran at the time it was the uh the Chad Morris Clemson offense. Um really nasty. Like base no less than three wide receivers in anything. A lot of like read option up the middle run game and then you you're spreading everybody out so you can throw it as necessary, but at some point I had recruited well enough that basically nobody could stop the running attack, so the pass was just like a decoy. So Mike, that's about enough of that. Uh, we need to get out of here. Uh, this has been, a, uh, I think, a pretty good uh, preview of the ACC championship game. I think that's fair to say. 
in the meantime, I hope you guys enjoy the game. Uh, we will be on Twitter kind of watching this, interacting with you guys. So uh, hit us up if you uh, find us on there. We are on Twitter at FTRS Joey, at Mike McDaniel ACC, and at BC Podcast ACC. Uh, y'all can also send us an email with your, your most interesting Jimbo Fisher coaching rumors or anything else. Uh, to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Yeehaw. Uh, also, by the way, go look at that story at insidetheacc.com where uh, Mike is the managing editor. Uh, they did some really good work on this. I, I, I'm telling you, y'all need to go check out that site. It'll make your life better. Uh, Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Uh, y'all can find us on iTunes, on Google Play, on SoundCloud, on the Overcast app. Not uh, Stitcher, not iTunes. Or, no, wait, hang on. You can find us on iTunes, and you should find us on iTunes. You cannot find us on Spotify or Stitcher or others. Um, Mike, there's other places they can find us in the social medias, yeah? Uh, yeah, facebook.com slash basketballconference, rate, review, find all of our podcasts there. I'll also post the article that Brittany wrote regarding Jimbo Fisher. I'll put it up there as well, just in case you guys are having trouble finding it. Uh, been promoting it like hell on social media, so you've probably seen it already. I'll post it up there anyway. Shout out Brittany Taylor Newman. Uh, she, she nailed it on that massive, story. Yeah, massive, massive props. She did great work on that. Awesome. Uh, Mike, I think that's all. You ready? Man, uh, we got a problem, though, real quick. Uh-oh. Before we get out of here, we got a problem. Okay. You and I. Go ahead. Um, there's only bowl games left. Mm. This is true. This is true. Already. Man, it went fast. It did. Really fast. Yeah, it did. It did. So that's going to bother me for a while. But besides that, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess on the uh, probably on the ACC championship game recap episode, which will be coming y'all's way, called, I think Sunday is probably fair. Um, yeah, it'll come your way on Sunday and we will talk on that episode a little bit about logistics moving forward. Cause there's other vacations and such coming up as well as some bull notifications Sorry. and all that. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, everybody. Eh. Advance. Sorry. How dare you go on vacation, Mike? Stupid bastard. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we'll talk about that a little bit on Sunday, but, um, yeah, this is it, Mike. This is it. And then we got bowl games and that's it. We're done. That's sad. Hey, I'm going to finish my bourbon here as a, uh, you know, pour one out kind of thing. Yeah, pour one out. Yeah, I was oh. going to say pour one out for a fallen homie. Um, yeah, this is it for, you know, the regular season. But good news for you guys, this is not it for the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, we just we just continue forward because that's what we do here. Absolutely. ACC content all day, every day. All day. Mike, this has been fun. You want to come back and recap this game on Sunday? I do. Really interested to see how this pans out. I guess we'll talk about the Florida State game too and maybe, maybe where Jimbo Fisher ends up and – all that good stuff. The re- the real championship game. Mm-hmm. It's Louisiana Monroe Super Bowl. So, gosh, you could actually make the argument it's Florida State Super Bowl. If Florida State loses this game, man. Okay, let's. Uh, all right, we'll talk about that on Sunday. We'll come back. Yeah, sounds good, buddy. All right, we'll talk then. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. Enjoy the ACC championship game. Uh, go Clemson! Your America's team of the week. Uh, Until we come back on Sunday and recap this, uh, we will talk to you then. And until then, go ACC. (laughs) 